I was reminded this morning um, when Heather Argo was up here doing our announcements that uh, a couple of years ago we started a new endeavor at Great Oaks uh, where we began to think about very strategically about how to look and embrace people across the world who were unreached for Jesus Christ. And Heather and Brian uh, took up the task of being leaders of uh, something called uh, Opera- uh, Operation, not Operation Christmas Child. No, that's not it. That's not the thing that you did doing. It's Summer in the USA. Summer in the USA program, which deals with a group of people, that uh, young folks that called the Basque, who have uh, we've been with had here the last two summers. Um, the reason I say that is because when we think of uh, missions and think of what that is, we think of people in another place. Um, on November 6th, uh, we're going to take another step in the direction of of thinking about how we can impact people across the world because God has given us a mission to go out and to reach people. And uh, we're going to continue to do the Basque this coming year. But also we're looking at potentially of other people groups, unreached people groups. So on November 6th, Steve Nelson, who is the uh, uh, coordinator for Africa for our denomination, is going to be here. And I'm going to interview him about a group that's called the Yolanka, who is uh, a people group in West Africa that um, our denomination has begun to reach out to and actually just has some newly uh, appointed missionaries that are going to be going there um, starting uh, this, this, this fall and about how we can possibly uh, begin to think about reaching a people in a, in a totally different place. Uh, the, the Basque are in kind of a, a very, uh, you know, very much like uh, the culture we're in, except they're in, in Spain. But the Yonka is in a third world country. They're tribal. They're a different type of group of people. And I mention that because we think, when we think of missions, we think about, you know, overseas, somewhere like that, or maybe somebody going to an inner city to serve. But I don't know if you woke up this morning and thought about this, but every one of us who are called Christians are on mission. Did you think about that this morning when you woke up? I'm on a mission. That God has given me a mission to carry out in this world. Uh, that's one of the things so often I don't think we often think about because we think about, you well, it's missions are for missionaries. But God has called every one of us to a mission, to a purpose. And that purpose is to glorify Him. And uh, one of the ways you can tell that you take seriously that you're on a mission is you can ask yourself this question. Uh, what kind of difference am I making in my community, in my church, in my world, wherever I live, my business, wherever it is? What kind of difference am I making? Is my presence making a difference? You know, because you can be called anywhere. It's not about location that makes it makes you a missionary. It's about your focus, about what God has called you to do and understanding that. I mean, I really believe at this stage of my life, God has called me to be here in this place called Germantown Hills in central Illinois. This is my mission field. And God may be calling you. And, and I'm not saying you have to be a, a pastor to be called to missions. Matter of fact, I want to tell you that some of you would totally mess up God's plan for your life if you decided to be a pastor because there's a lot of people in ministry that shouldn't be in ministry. And God can call you to be a business person and make lots of money so that you can take and help people all over the world. That can be part of God's plan. He can help you to, he may be calling you to be a teacher or, or to be a, a mom and stay at home or whatever it may be to make a difference wherever you are in your community. But every one of us, every one of us are called for a mission and for a purpose. I was challenged a few years ago uh, by a speaker who asked this question of all of us and he said this, 
is if everyone in your church were just like you, what would your church look like? If everyone in your church were just like you and your level of commitment and their level of service and their level of giving, what would your church look like? That is a tough question, right? But it's, it's true that God has called us all to a mission. Not just me, not just missionaries. He's called each one of us to a purpose and a mission. And if God has really called me to a mission, it should make a difference where I live. And our mission is to glorify God with all that we do. So often we say things like, God bless me. And why do we say those things? So that God will bless me just so I can be blessed? Is that the purpose of blessings? No, in Scripture, every time we look at God's blessings, what do the blessings lead toward? It lead toward God being glorified. That God was was lifted high. And so often we want God to bless us and, and, and we want to do that. But I've heard people many times, and we don't think beyond just, just the everyday things of life. I heard people say, well, Pastor, you know, pray for my marriage. I want it to be blessed. Fix, pray that God will fix my marriage. And why, you know, do we think that marriages should be fixed? Well, so marriages will be good, right? But from a Christian perspective, there's a higher calling than just fixing your marriage. It's God wants to fix your marriage if your marriage is broken so that it can bring Him glory. I mean, husbands, if, you know, you, you've been called to serve your wives. Wives have been called to serve your husbands. But when it's not been going well, and maybe your husband or your wife doesn't deserve to be served, and you do it anyway, it brings glory to God because people see that, and they see that God, only through God can you be able to do that on a regular basis. Or people will say, God, you know, God, you know, heal me. And while healing is important, the thing is, is that every time someone is healed in Scripture, what did it always do? It brought glory to God. Healing was a byproduct. The, the physical healing or whatever it was was a byproduct of what happened in life. And so as we think about that this morning, uh, ask this question, is there a sense of mission and purpose in your life beyond you? See, that's the whole point we've been talking about for the last several weeks in Galatians. The whole point of the Holy Spirit is this, is he wants to enable us to carry out the mission that God has for each one of us. And it's not about you. If you have your Bibles this morning, take them and turn to Galatians chapter 5. That's where we are this morning. We're in verse 16, beginning with verse 16. And we're going to be looking at a few verses in Scripture, just a few verses, like nine verses this morning of Scripture, that I think is powerful. And it has so much to say. I mean, if you've missed the series so far, we started with chapter 1, verse 1, back several weeks ago. And today we're in chapter 5, verse 15. And we have two more weeks of this series, and then we'll finish up. And uh, we'll look at uh, some other Scripture down the road and see what God has to say there. But we've been in Galatians talking about this whole thing of this battle that we have of the battle between the flesh and the spirit and what God wants to do to enable us to live life in a way that would glorify him. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16. Verse 16 says this, So I say, live by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. That's the first thing he says in verse 16. And that, when he, that word, live by the spirit, actually can be translated, keep on walking. Some of you might have other translations that says walk in the spirit. It says keep on walking. The Greek tense there is something that's continuous. It's not something you do one time. And it's a command. It's not passive. It's not something that's done to you. It's something that is, uh, that's done, that's something that I do. 
So often people say, well, I asked the Holy Spirit to come into my life and to do this for me and to, and to change me. And the problem is, is, you know, I have this addiction to alcohol or to, or to, or to drugs or whatever or, or to pornography. And, and I prayed and nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. And I'm still on drugs or I still have this uh, addiction or have lust still in my life. And the problem is, is that we think it's just something that's done to us. But the, the spirit, we enable the spirit if we keep on walking day to day. And I want to talk today about what that means, to walk in the spirit, to allow the spirit to work in our lives. It's kind of like I was, the other day I was uh, working out. I work out now over at uh, Kaufman Center three times a week. And I, a few, uh, a couple of months ago when my wife uh, blessed me with a, with a membership over there, <laughs> Um, it was an encouragement uh, because I had not done very well in being consistent. She said, you need a new environment. And so, uh, so <laughs> she said, here's the deal. And so she gives it to me. And so for the first uh, couple of weeks, three or four or five weeks I was there uh, going in, you know, uh, they give you a little membership card, but they don't give it to you right away. And so I used to have to go in and sign my name. And so now, you know, I don't have to sign my name anymore. I got the card and I just scan it when I go in. But I noticed when I was first going for the first few weeks, every week, every time I would go in about three times a week, I would go by the desk there and there would be these cards laid out there, all these membership cards. And I'd look for my name, and it wouldn't be there, and finally it... And, but I noticed for a long time that some of the same names were there all the time for those several weeks. And I was asking the lady there at the desk, I was going like, well, why? You know, what's the deal with this? I mean, why are these people just forget to pick up their cards? And she's going, no. And she said, you wouldn't understand. You don't understand. You wouldn't believe how many people purchase memberships and never use them. You know, like, uh, you know, well, I purchased a membership to a fitness club... But I haven't lost any weight yet. I don't know what the problem is. The thing is, is we've got to take it seriously. It's kind of like, you know, if I was going to take, if I take it seriously, what I'm going to do and go into the fitness center, I'm going to take my bag and I'm going to pack it, right? And when I pack it to go to the fitness center, I've got to find, figure out where the zipper is. There it is. Uh, the fitness center, what am I, if I'm serious about working out and losing weight or being fit, what am I going to take with me to the fitness center? I'm going to take with me, you know, a good pair of shoes because I'm going to do some cardio. I'm going to take with me, you know, here's my, oh, I got to find the other shoe here. Okay. Good pair of shoes. Go do some cardio. You know, and, and I'm going to take with me, you know, some, the right kind of clothes. This is actually my clothes I wear. Um, you know, a shirt, some things to wear there. You know, those are, those are natural things to take because if I'm serious about getting fit, I'm going to take the things that are going to help me to be fit. But one of the things that I normally wouldn't take, and I don't know, you know, if I would take this to the fitness center with me, is a bag of donuts and some Doritos. I mean, would you take those with you if you're serious about getting fit? Is that what you take with you, your, your workout clothes? And while you're working on the machines and you're running on the treadmill, would you be eating Doritos and donuts if you're serious about what you're doing? See, these things are mutually exclusive from one another. And that's what Paul is talking about here as he talks about this whole thing of walking and living in the Spirit. He says, when I am craving sin, (laughs) what do I do? I don't go sit on the couch with a bag of Doritos and and a bag of donuts. What I do is I go and I begin to, to walk in the Spirit. I focus upon the things that will help me to go. I focus upon the Spirit by allowing the Spirit to be the focus of my life. 
See, when we're stuck in sin so much, the problem is, is we don't realize we have this mission that we talked about and we get defocused from the mission. And what happens is we try to get rid of the sin, but we don't really see that the, the getting rid of the sin is not the deal. That It's about being on mission for God. And so often I, I have people coming and, you know, the thing is, is they want to get their marriage fixed or whatever, but they, they have no purpose behind their marriage other than, well, I just want to be married. Well, you know, the purpose of your marriage is what? To glorify God as well. It's to show a, a relationship on this earth that is, that is centered in Christ if you're a Christian. And God wants us to understand that we, if we're to, to really live and, and to walk by the Spirit, you have to stay focused on the Spirit. It's something that you continually do. And then in verse 17, he says this, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not want, so you do not do what you want. See, he's saying that there's this, and he's been talking about this all through Galatians. There's this battle that goes on within our nature between what he calls the flesh and the spirit. And they are in opposition to one another. And we have to understand that That's going to be the ongoing battle. And the only way that we can win that battle that Christ can work in our lives is that we have to learn to walk in the Spirit. And it's a day-by-day-by-day, step-by-step process of focusing our attention upon what the Spirit would want us to do. Verse 18 says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. It's a different tense there. Instead of being walking, it's talking about being led by the Spirit. It's a different verb there. It's the idea of leadership. The question is, for many of us, is this. Do you want to be led? I mean, we have an incredible, I've said this before, we have an incredible group of gifted leaders in this church. And it's natural for leaders to want to lead, right? I mean, you're gifted that way. There's this. If we have an inordinate amount of people who are leadership-type people in the life of this church. And you can be a leader and lead others. But when it comes to God, guess what? You and I do not get to lead. We have to surrender our leadership to God. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. We have to surrender our leadership to God. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under law. And the problem is that 99% of us, if I'm honest, maybe 100% of us, are afraid to be led by the Holy Spirit. You're going like, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. Because you're afraid if you totally allow the Holy Spirit to deal with every area of your life, what's going to happen is is the Holy Spirit is going to ask you to do some things that you're not quite sure you want to do. Because you would not be in control. Because it's hard to surrender. Because what if... If you know, what if, if I just said today, okay, God, I, I want to surrender control and I want to be led by your spirit today to do whatever it is that, that, I, that you want me to do in my mission. And my mission begins at home or in my mission begins in my community or in my neighborhood. And so this afternoon, if God begins to, you know, you're sitting down to watch the football game, whatever game that is, I don't know what's on today. I haven't looked at the schedule. 
or watch whatever shows on TV or whatever you're going to do this afternoon. And the thing is, is that then you begin to be sensed sense because you're open to the spirit. God's spirit begins to work in your life and you see a neighbor who's down the street and you know that they need some help. And you're going like the spirit's kind of prompting you to do something to help them. But you're going like, well, God, I just don't want to do that. Because when we're led by the Spirit, it's not like He's always going to get us to do things we don't want to do. But the issue is, is that He's going to get us our focus off of ourself and onto others and onto loving Him. And, and the thing is, so often it's when we really surrender to the Spirit, you know, He may lead us to do things that we've never considered doing before because He wants what's best for us in our life. And what's best for us in our life may not be what we're doing. He may want us to to have a different job, to live in a different location, maybe not to drive the car we drive. And those are tough things because it's tough to surrender that that control in our life. You know, one of the interesting things about financial peace, we're going through it, I was talking this morning uh, with Greg, uh, Greg Edwards, who is leading one of our groups. You know, the thing about financial peace is that uh, I I love love the, the communication style of Dave Ramsey. But sometimes he's, I don't, I don't like him sometimes too because he's kind of opinionated. Have y'all ever gotten that? Anybody that's in financial peace, he's a little opinionated. And, and, but the issue is, is that he leads, you know, let me tell you something. If you don't hang in there to the last session, you've missed the whole point. Because without the last session of financial peace, you will think it's all about you. Not totally, but you could take it to mean that way. But the issue is, it's really not all about you because at the end it talks about, you know, uh, Living like no one else so you can live like no one else. It's not about having more just so you can be selfish. It's about having more so you can have margin in your life and not have stress in your life. And you can be generous with the stuff in your life. It's not about you. And when we surrender to the Holy Spirit in our life and He begins to work in our life, what happens is it becomes it's not about you. God's Spirit will open your eyes to other things. And so often we pray, well, God, lead me. You know, that's not the problem. That's not the prayer we should pray. God, lead me. God's going to lead you if you just surrender. The prayer should be, instead of God, lead me, the prayer should be, God, help me want to want to follow as you lead me. That's the stumbling block. That's where we don't walk in the Spirit. That's when we, we give in to the flesh. See, If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Christ is leading you. He is. See, that's the mark of a believer, that he or she is a follower of Christ. And the the Holy Spirit and Christ is leading us. A believer is led by the Holy Spirit. An unbeliever does what he or she wants to do. But sometimes we want to be in this in-between area. We really do. We want the Holy Spirit to give us like 10 options. Here's the 10 things you could do, and we get to pick or choose the things we want to do, right? You know, uh, this week I want to do uh, these two or three or a few God things in my... I don't want to put these God things in my schedule this week. Instead of saying, God, my spirit, I want to walk in the spirit. I want to be on mission for you. Everything in my life should be out there to glorify you because ultimately that's the best thing for me. That's what God really wants me to be. And the issue is, is that so often we don't want to be led that way. We still want to maintain a certain level of control if we're just honest with ourselves. 
And then he gives, uh, Paul gives us uh, what happens if, if we're not led by the Spirit. It's not a good list here. It's just not even an exhaustive list, though. He says in verse 19, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. This is what happens, he says, when you're not led by the Spirit. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live this, this way will not inherit the kingdom of God. And when he gives this list, obviously he says, and the like, he means this is not an exhaustive list. But he says the person who follows their own desires will end up doing some of these things in their life. This is where they end up. I mean, some of the things he talks about here, he's, the first one, sexual immorality. The Greek word is porneia. Guess what, what word we get from that? Pornography. He's saying, you know, the, the Holy Spirit will never lead you to say if you're going, God, God, I just want your spirit to lead me. And so he won't. And if you're doing that, guess what he's not going to do? He's not going to say, open up the Internet and view. He's never going to tell you to do that. To view pornography. He's never going to tell you if you're if you're in touch with the spirit, if you're walking in the spirit, if you're focusing on the spirit. Debauchery, that's kind of an interesting word. Debauchery basically means a lack of restraint. A lack of restraint is it's a person who can't set boundaries and stuff. You become so obsessed with one area of life. I mean, it can be, be anything that you can't set boundaries. And so you, you obsess over that one area of life so much that you dismiss almost everything else in life. And so many people do that. It becomes so focused on one thing, they lose sight of everything else. Debauchery. Witchcraft, you're going, well, that's one of the ones I don't do. You know, that's off my list. I don't do that one. You got to understand what that word means, though. The, the Greek word is pharmakeia. Pharmakeia is the word we get the word pharmaceuticals from. The idea here is a person who uh, who uses mind-altering drugs to get their head somewhere else, away from all the stuff of life. It opens themselves to all kinds of possibilities. It's not just like you're casting spells or something, you know. It's not about that. It's 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 more than that. That's what it's talking about here. Hatred. I'm not going to list, list all of these, but you know, the thing is, is that, you know, in your relationships, you're going like, you know, God, you know, help me in this relationship. One of the things the Holy Spirit is never going to do, if you're walking in the Spirit, He's never going to tell you to hate somebody. Ever. Fits of rage. Ever been out of control? Just flew off the handle? Just got mad? I mean, if you're walking in the Spirit, that's not going to happen. Fits of rage. And then the last one I just want to say, selfish ambition. The thing is, you know, you just need to look at why you do the things you do, your motivations. Is it all about you? You know, do you want to work out so you can look good, so people will go, oh, you look so good. Or you do whatever, you know, it's all about you. You see, if you're walking in the Spirit, the Spirit is never going to lead you to have selfish ambition. There's nothing wrong with ambition and setting goals in life, but it's all about you. It's not part of what the Spirit is trying to lead you to do in your life. And then he says this in the last part of the verse, and I didn't write this. God wrote this, okay? So don't blame me, blame God. When he says this, he says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this who, who, this is their pattern of life. 
This is the pattern of what they do. Not that you've done this once or, or uh, once in a while or it's not. But those who have this kind of pattern of life, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. What's that mean? It means that there are those who call themselves a Christian, but their pattern of life is not such that it's, it's, it's this. And you can't call yourself a Christian and have this kind of pattern in your life and be a follower of Christ. You can't. You know, this is the thing that saddens me. The reason I got into ministry. Because it's one thing to say for somebody to say to me, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in Christ. I mean, that's honest, right? I don't like it, but at least it's honest. But it's another thing. That's easier for me to stomach than people who attend church and live like this. And they call themselves Christians. Because I don't know about you guys, but in reading the Bible years and years, for years and years and years, I never see a person who is called Christian who lives like that on a regular basis. That's the pattern of their life. And in America, we've created this thing that we call Christianity that really isn't Christianity. And it's, it's like some person who has made a decision or, or, or they cried at one point in their life or asked God into their life, but their lives really never changed. And we think that that's, that's a Christian because somebody said they made a decision. But nothing ever changed in their life. You, do you really see that in the Bible? I don't. You know, that you can be a Christian and not really live it out, that you can be a follower without following? See, we've developed this new category of Christian. It's a follower who doesn't follow follow and 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 we kind of like have three categories of people now instead of two that's mentioned in scripture here we have three we have the ones who are the hardcore believers they're disciples of christ who are led by the spirit and they live in and follow the principles of scripture and that's one category then we have the other far extreme category people who are who are anti-jesus anti-god they don't worry about god but then we have this middle group now who we call christians who prayed a prayer, maybe got baptized, but they never changed. And that's just not in the Bible. You know, in the Bible even has a, a term for those people. In 1 John, you know what the scripture calls people who say that they're followers of Christ but don't follow? You can read this yourself. Read 1 John. They're called liars. And I don't say that as a judgment because the thing is, is it, it, it breaks my heart to know that people really have this false security about where they are. Because I'm so concerned as I read the Bible and it says that someone who follows Jesus Christ, their life's supposed to be different. And then we have a lot of people go to church all across America that say they're following Christ and their life is no different. Yet somehow they have this false security that everything is fine. It breaks my heart. It should break your heart. And you know, let me tell you what really kills me. I mean, I'm just being honest this morning, okay? What really kills me is funerals. Funerals. I've had the privilege and sometimes the burden 
of doing hundreds of funerals during my ministry. Not many here. You guys are younger. You know? I will share with you, I was in a church for 13 years, senior pastor in Virginia, where it was mostly an older congregation. And I did 270-some funerals there in, in 13 years. I had to, you know, I have a lot of experience with funerals. And, and the thing that really kills me is if you've gone to a funeral and, and you go and, and you're sitting down at a funeral and you, and, and you know the person who died and you think through the pattern of that person's life and then someone will get up and say, well, I know that they were a Christian because they made a decision and they said a prayer. And sometimes inside your spirit, you're just sick. Because, you know, there's no evidence in their life of a changed life. Because at funerals, you know, you will never say that out loud at a funeral. You just think that. Because everybody goes to heaven at a funeral, right? I mean, I'm being facetious, but I'm just being honest. You know, there's other services, though, that I've been to where over the years it's been a joyous occasion because clearly that person had a changed life. They lived in such a way that, that God was evident in their life. See, the Apostle Paul contrasts the two people, the person who, who, who says, you know, I'm a follower and I'm following Christ and the person who is far from Christ. He says the follower, the par- person who walks in the Spirit is like this in verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. See, when you start walking in the Spirit on a daily basis, and when you're continually realizing you're on mission with God, and my mission today is to follow God, to glorify God with everything I do in my job, in my home, in my school, wherever I'm at, if you understand that as your mission, God, and, and then you're stepping with the Spirit and saying, Spirit, I want to follow you, and I want to... You relinquish my lead in this, I want to follow you, then what happens is he begins to change who you are. The old person who was stressed out all, all the time about stuff all of a sudden has joy and has peace. Then they have all these things that's talking about here. And when you look at this list in Scripture, when you look at this list here on the screen, you know, aren't those the things that you wish you could be? I mean, it's, it's a really strange person who says, well, no, I really don't want to be a loving person. I'd rather be angry all the time. Or, no, I don't want joy. I want bitterness. Or, you know, I don't want peace. I, you know, no, these are all the things that we want in life. We understand if we walk in the Spirit that these are the things that the Spirit begins to allow to open up in our life. He empowers us to do it. But we have to walk with the Spirit on a regular basis. That's what the Holy Spirit offers you. And then in verse 24 it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Now when I read this verse, I'm going, okay, what does that mean? Crucified the sinful nature. Does that mean that when you become to Christ, you no longer have any sinful desires? No, that's not what he's talking about here. It's not talking about you no longer have this, 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 this desire sometimes to become selfish. Once again, you still have that desire. But what it's saying is, it's the idea of having a new master. See, before, when you're in your, when you're not a follower of Christ, when you're doing your own thing, you were led by whom? You. You were the leader of the pack. 
But when, and when, but when you're in Christ and the Holy Spirit is living in you and you're walking with the Spirit, when you step off the path and eat the Doritos, instead of working out or whatever it is you're trying to do, the thing is, is that guess what, what happens? You have a new master. That new master, the Holy Spirit, what he does is he begins to work in your life. He doesn't leave you alone. Because the Holy Spirit is directing your life now. He redirects you toward the things if you will walk with him day by day. And then in verse 25 it says this, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now that's interesting language there because so often I hear people pray this prayer, God, help me to know your will. Right? You prayed that one before? Help me to know your will? It's like, help me to see the big picture, the big scope of life. But the issue is, that's not what it's saying here. It's saying, like, help me to walk step by step with the Holy Spirit. Remember a guy in the Old Testament named Abraham? Thank you. I didn't expect a response. Abraham was interesting because when God, when God, did God give him the whole picture? He told him, yeah, I'm going to make you a father of nations, but did he tell you how he was going to do it? No. What he did, he said, Abraham, I want you to leave where you are and go. And he said, where we're going? He said, just leave where you are and go. That's your first step. Then I'll give you the next step. And then I'll give you the next step. And then I'll give you, that's how God wants you to walk. He, instead of giving you, you know, if he gave you the picture at the end, the big picture at the end, and you were over here, the problem is, is you wouldn't be walking step by step with the Spirit day by day, because that's where he wants you to be, trusting day by day with the next step. So today, as we close, I want to ask you to do one thing. I want you to pray a prayer. I want you to just bow your heads. Everybody, where are you at? Bow your heads. And I just want you to think. Not looking at anybody else around you. Not thinking about anybody else around you. I want you to think about this prayer. This prayer. I want you to pray to God to direct you that you could walk with Him. Not down the road, but today. And maybe the, the extent of it, maybe this week. And pray, God... I want to surrender to you. I want to walk with the Spirit this week. That means I'm going to focus my attention on the Spirit and ask the Spirit to lead me this week every step of the way. And as you pray that prayer today about God help me to follow you today and then maybe tomorrow, And then tomorrow you pray that prayer for the next day and the next day. You know what God's going to do? Just keep your heads bowed. God's going to open your eyes to some things that are around you. Maybe today as you pray, God, let me be open to your spirit. He's going to reveal to you something that you already know that's there. Maybe a relationship that needs to be healed. A neighbor that needs to be helped. Or maybe a need that this morning when the service ends, I need to go over to the prayer room and pray with someone about some area of my life that I need to surrender more to God. Because God wants us 
to walk with him and keep in step with the Spirit. And that literally means a day-by-day yielding to the headship of God. You can open your eyes now. Let me tell you what happens when you don't do that. You're like a chicken with its head cut off. I've never seen one. Any of you ever seen a chicken with its head cut off? Okay. Wow, y'all got a bunch of weird people. That's all I can say. <laughs> but I understand that a chicken which his head's cut off, and the body will still potentially, I've heard this before, if y'all can verify this, the body can still run around. Yeah, I mean, for a while, not forever. But you know what? how it runs around? It has no direction. It's aimless all over the place. That's what that phrase means. And when we do it ourselves, guess what our life will be like? When That's when we, we say, I want to do my own thing. Live in the flesh. I want to do my own thing. We will be all over the place. But when the Spirit of the Lord, we walk with the Spirit, what He'll do is we, He will give us direction in life. He will help us to understand our mission and our purpose every day as we yield ourselves to the Spirit. So I challenge you this week just to allow the Spirit to work in your life and just do it day by day. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakcc.org.